Sure. Yeah. I remember my great grandfather was a business owner, but he bought into some franchise and, you know, when like, whatever that was, I don't fully understand what it was really, but um, he did that. My grandfather started his own store. My dad started his own um, B2B side of the jewelry industry company. And to me, it was always normal growing up. Like it was just an option that, Hey, if I didn't want to go do X, Y, or Z, I could always start my own thing. But I would say it was never an option uh, to go work at my grandfather's store. My grandfather was always like, you got to do your own thing. You're not working here. And I worked there till I was like 18, but at 18, he was like, and you're done. And yeah. uh, I lay on the scale, you gotta glow, gotta glow, you gotta glow. She had my intentions, you gotta know. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Podcast. I'm your host, Zeke, and in this episode, I have an entrepreneur named Evan Knox speak about his journey in marketing. You can listen to this podcast on all major platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts by clicking the link in the description below or going to allmylinks.com forward slash let's get apart. Please rate it five stars. I'd like to give a content warning for the intro language used in this episode and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. So first, I'd like to welcome you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Excited to talk. No problem. Thank you. I don't know. My brains. <laughs> Thank you. But um, yeah. So first question I would like to ask is, what would your origin story be? Well, I grew up in a fairly nice part of town. Um, and that was kind of my identity was wrapped around, you know, the stuff that we had. Mm-hmm. And then when I went into high school, my dad relapsed on drugs. And basically that snowballed into us. Um, well, him not going to work. And then us not being paid pay the bills, him spending all the money on drugs, parents getting divorced, and I was an only child, so it was super traumatic, which would be traumatic no matter how many brothers and sisters you have, I guess. And I remember <clears throat> that was really tough for me. Um, I leaned on my faith a lot during that season, and that was, that was a catalyst to get me through that. And it also helped me overcome a lot of adversity, which I, help, I think helps me be really successful as an entrepreneur today to have the resiliency to mitigate risk and um, live in ambiguity and make decisions throughout that. Cool. And would you make that like a book or like a movie or animated series? Well, if I could be Iron Man, that would be like <laughs> a dream, you know? Um, I think a movie probably. I mean, it's possible at some point. I've always thought about doing a book. Every time I think about doing a book though, I think if like, if I talked about resilience, I'm really not the, the person who's overcome the most resilience. You know, like I, yeah. whenever I think that I have some ability or gain skill set or overcome something, I'm like, golly, people have overcome like 10 times more than that. So, but it would probably have something to do with that. You know, it might not be the, the most intense version ever, but it would be my version at least. Yes, your story. Yes, 100%. And with the, that you said earlier that it helped you become more resilient. And that's like the mindset you have to be when we do like marketing or entrepreneurship because it's not like somebody else has that. When you're working with somebody else, you have somebody else is kind of doing with that reverse. And all you got to do is just, okay, this is what I need to do. And then you have a faith that they are on their end is mitigating all of that. But when you 
pretty much work of yourself, you kind of have to take on everything and then just kind of be able to be calm in the valleys, the peaks and valleys. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was like, whenever stuff with my family was going on, there was a lot that I couldn't control. It was beyond my control as a middle schooler or a high schooler, but I learned to control myself. And I learned that, hey, I can't control everybody else, but I can't control me. And so whenever I felt anxious or nervous, I thought, man, I don't want to live in that state. I don't want to just stay perpetually, um, you know, unsure or scared or whatever that might be. And so I'm going to do stuff that I can do in order to fix that. And so that still translates over to entrepreneurship. So let's say it's, we're having a rough day, say a deal doesn't close or um, we end up, you know, a client is having a bad day and they're unkind, something like that, whatever it may be. I'm able to then take that and not let that wreck my day or even my entrepreneurship journey. I'm just able to take that, process it, learn from it uh, and, and move forward. And so there are times like there's businesses that I'm a partner in that we've acquired a business that is struggling um, and is, it doesn't, they don't always require like a full over, overhaul, but this one did. And that was definitely a lot for my partners and myself. And so instead of just being panicky and freaking out and backing out of the deal, we just looked at it from a very analytical standpoint. And every time we've, run into something, we are still choosing to go back into it and make it happen because we believe there's potential there. So the resiliency that I developed growing up, I think helps me on a day-to-day basis to really see all of these big macro level business stuff as not a big deal in comparison to life growing up. Cool. And I guess we can pivot to like to more marketing. Okay. So what got you into marketing? My grandfather took me aside when I was younger. I was probably 12 years old or so. And he owned his own business and he sold jewelry. So watches, engagement rings, necklaces, earrings, what, what have you. And he would teach me what he was doing in marketing. And I remember placing an ad in the Atlanta Symphony together when I was a kid. And he let me write all the copy to it. Uh, submit it to the designer. Um, he was telling me why we chose certain words and the mistakes that I made when I first did it. And so he was coaching me on that. And I really love this strategy, the strategy of messaging, the strategy of placement and the building the marketing strategy. And so fast forward to about four years ago, I was doing marketing at a nonprofit in Charlotte and my dad had passed away recently and my grandfather was about to retire. And I thought, you know what? I can't help them anymore, but I can help business owners like them to be successful um, and improve their qual- their quality of life as well as their families. So that's why I decided to start Caffeine Marketing so that I could help other small business owners like my family. Okay. Um, sorry about your father, by the way. And um, nice story. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. So I guess you're kind of following like the family business or like it's kind of like uh, the family entrepreneurship yeah. journey, for sure. Yeah. I remember my great-grandfather was a business owner, but he bought into some franchise and, you know, when, like, 
whatever that was. I don't fully understand what it was really, but um, he did that. My grandfather started his own store. My dad started his own um, B2B side of the jewelry industry company. And to me, it was always normal growing up. Like it was just an option that, hey, if I didn't want to go do X, Y, or Z, I could always start my own thing. But I would say it was never an option uh, to go work at my grandfather's store. My grandfather was always like, you got to do your own thing. You're not working here. And I worked there till I was like 18, but at 18, he was like, and you're done and <laughs> go somewhere else. Um, and he honestly, he talked to me so much about that because we loved working together and it was really hard for him to like, let me go do something else. But I think he was wise enough to see that just staying there would have limited me in my personal growth. Um, so I really appreciate that he did that for me and he had that foresight. Nice. And throughout your journey of like marketing, did you have to kind of have to find yourself or since you had it, since you was younger, you was introduced younger, it was easier for you to like jump in. I think there are two types of marketing. There's creative marketing and then there's more the math strategy side. A very few people are good at both. Both are valuable, but they're different. Branding, logo design, graphic design, that's important. And I have a, a decent eye for what's good or not, but I don't, I'm not a tactician. You know, I'm not actually designing graphics or whatever. I don't, I'm not that good at that. Uh, but I am really good at designing strategy that's going to be profitable for our clients and make them a lot of money, help them grow their company. And I think that lends itself to loving math. Like I've always loved math growing up. I'm certainly not like, you know, a pro math wizard. My, one of one of my best friends is like, a, was, went to school to be a math teacher. You know, he's, he puts me to shame, but I do love math and I was pretty decent at it. And I think it's that same numbers, calculations, strategy. There's like an, always a, a bit of truth to it. Um, I enjoy that a lot. I've always enjoyed strategy. Uh, and I think that marketing strategy lends itself to that because if you can really master the domain, you know, it works, you can make a lot of money for your clients. Um, whereas the other side is not invaluable, but it's hard to put a price point on, you know, if I know I can, for example, let's say I charge 20 grand for a website because I know it's going to make a company $200,000 easy. I feel very confident about that. But on the flip side with a creative, um, you could do, you could build a website for them and you could charge 20 grand, but it's a different reason why it's charged 20 grand. It's you're charged 20 grand because that's what really just what they want to get paid. Um, or they're that good of a graphic design artist. It's going to look aesthetically that good. Um, so both are valuable and you try to have, I try to have mutual connections or people on our team that can make really good aesthetics. Um, and I compliment the strategy. Uh, and so they, ha they have to go hand in hand, I guess. Yeah. Cause similar to you, I'm really good at math until kind of just kind of stop. But like, for me, I feel like I'm more on the creative side. It's great. And then I kind of have struggle with like strategy because I'm just like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I would feel the same way about the creative stuff. So like the cool shirt you're wearing for the podcast, I, I look at that and go, wow, that's awesome. I'm not somebody who could ever figure out what font to use, what color it should be. Um, that's not my skill set. And that feels like a, it would take me all day to figure that out. Whereas somebody who's a pro at that could knock out like 10 versions in an hour. So, yeah. 
yeah, I feel like I see that people kind of choose their side and kind of just, it's kind of hard to blend both because they're conflicting with each other sometimes. Because mm-hmm. to be creative, you got to be like free and let's rig it, but then math is very process-based. Yes, very. And I, that's why I love business partnerships. I started Caffeine and I'm the sole owner of Caffeine, but I love that I'm a part of a bunch of different businesses that I've got other people that have different strengths than I do. And they enjoy different things than I do because some stuff just would drive me up a wall if I had to do it every day. Like I hate meetings and some people are like operations. And so they're like, they're running the show, you know, they're having meetings every single week with people. And I appreciate that, but I don't want to be that. So (laughs) yeah, everybody's got their own strength. So find partners that you think that you gel well with. And with caffeine marketing, what kind of been like most enjoyable about it? I think you said earlier about like helping people. So what kind of about that? What do you say about that? There is two sides I think are, are fun. One from a chemo, they're both from a chemical standpoint in your brain. And I would say one is more of a serotonin release. And then one is a dopamine release. And they come in the form of when I successfully hit metrics for our clients. So let's say, you know, we, built out a sales funnel and a website and advertising for a client recently, and they're getting at least a 17 X return on investment. So what that means so far is that every dollar that they've given us, we've essentially produced 17 back for them. And that's essentially like an ATM that every dollar you put in, you get 17 back. So I love those moments where we're getting really, really good results that to me just feels satisfying. It's like hitting metrics. It's like a, you're winning basically. And on the flip side, I also really enjoy the human connection of it. And I enjoy talking with people and caring about people and building a relationship with them. And that part is the serotonin aspect. That's the community and um, just loving and caring for people. I think it's better to give than it is to receive. So I really enjoy that aspect of it too. Nice. And what's like hitting the metrics, is it more of like a, um, like you, over the years you built like a proven strategy or that each situation you had to um, adapt to that situation? I think that there is a general overarching principles that are applicable to each business, but the medium in which you go about them might be a little bit different for each one. So at a really high level, marketing can be simplified into brand awareness as the top of a marketing funnel consideration, which is the middle, and then conversion. Brand awareness, the first problem that you're trying to solve is make people aware that you exist because they're not, they're not aware that you exist. They won't subscribe to your podcast. They won't buy your products, read your book. So they have to know you exist or your product exists. And then consideration is about reinforcing messaging and creating messaging that people are going to understand what it is you do and how you make their life better. And then conversion, lastly, is about making it as easy as possible for people to work with you. An example of that is a a virtual assistant company that we just became partners in. Um, The pricing structure is super confusing. Like I'm, we've we've been partners in the business for two months and I still don't understand it. So what we're working on right now is restructuring the pricing. That way it's really easy for people to buy the product. They can essentially just say, Hey, I'm going to pay this much per month for this many hours. um, And it's going to be really easy. So brand awareness, consideration, conversion, and then the actual mediums in which you go about it. I generally know, what platforms perform best for certain industries um, or what don't perform well for certain industries. 
But again, it's all a hypothesis and I love to put it to the test. And I love to look at data and say, okay, Facebook, we thought Facebook wasn't gonna work for this, Facebook ads, but man, it's blowing it on the water. It's, it's a huge return on investment right now. Um, so it all depends, but I, I favor certain platforms just because I've seen them work really well in the past in delivering um, you know, revenue for our clients. Cool. So pretty much there's a skeleton, but you have to fill in the rest of it to make a perfect picture, like a sketch. Yeah, it is. Um, once you have an idea of what you're painting, I think it's, yeah, that's the part I enjoy is filling the lines. I think what would be hard is if I didn't, if you were just like, paint something for me. I'm like, can't help you. Not my <laughs> deal, you know, but if you're like, hey, we know that we want a sunset or here's the sunset, paint a picture of the sunset, that's easy. So whereas more, more creative people like yourself can do things that I cannot ever do, which is just come up with something out of thin air. You can just come up with an idea. And that to me is completely foreign. Um, so to each their own, I guess. Yeah. So did you go, wait, did you go to school for marketing? Just yeah, good question. So I started caffeine four years ago, and then I went to school about six to seven months after I started caffeine. And I finished my bachelor's degree in five months. So I did it from start to finish in five months because I just didn't want to spend a lot of time in school, to be quite honest. I just thought it was, not to say it's a waste of time for everybody. I just thought for where I wanted to go, it didn't make sense for me to be in school for four years. So I just hammered down and made it happen within five months, which is, was tough for sure. Cool. So, so you have pretty much, you have both like books, like the textbooks version of marketing and then you have like the real world version of marketing. Yeah. I, I'm super thankful for that. And I also, I think part of what helped me get through the school part so quickly was that I was already familiar with the concepts. So for some of the, like the marketing, marketing one-on-one, I was able to basically just take the final, you know, um, which was pretty cool. And then my final project or whatever that should take like a month or two to complete was a business plan. Well, I'd already had my own business plan. So I just kind of turned in my business plan and, and got a passing grade on it. So it's <laughs> like, this is not a bad gig, but I did. Yeah. I just studied marketing. So. Cool. I did that my third major. I switched my major a couple of times. Yeah. I feel you. That's going to be tough. We learned a ton, I'm sure. Yeah. Because I finished last year, school last year, four years. He did five months. I'm just like, huh? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's for everybody. And I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do. I think that, um, you know, in an ideal world, somebody's got a parent or something that pays for college. That wasn't the case for me. And so I just thought, man, how am I going to get this out of the freaking way? Um, because I got stuff I wanted to do. That's the thing. It's like, I knew where I wanted to go. So I didn't want to waste time on the process. Yeah. Because I had financial aid, so I was like, whew. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, when we got married, um, my wife had around $90,000 in like debt and like 75-ish were student loan. And we were able to pay all that off you know, pretty quickly, thankfully. But it was... Is not the route that I wanted to go. I didn't want to take loans out to go through school. And that's not to say that it's not ever worth it. Um, but for me, I just didn't see that as the right decision. So, mm -hmm. 
and what kind of been some other like valleys in creating caffeine marketing or like working in the marketing field? I think that like as far as what opportunities lie for caffeine or just like in the marketing world, which you, you, you could do a marketing world in caffeine. Okay. Uh, in the marketing world, I feel like strategists are always helpful. Um, I feel like if you become a technician and you get really good at one thing, I'd suggest diversifying your skill sets because platforms emerge and fall all the time. You know, if you were a TikTok ad specialist and that's what you did, well, it sucks. You know, <laughs> there's no more, you know, TikTok's being banned, you know, so at least this time. So I think if you could diversify your skill sets, have a learning attitude, I don't think marketing is something that you want to get into if you are um, not willing to continually learn over and over again, because stuff is always shifting. It's always moving. And then as far as for caffeine, I, I would love to do more investing. Um, so it's not to say caffeine won't be around in five years, but I love being a partner in a company. It's just something really pure about it. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's cool to wake up and have business partners instead of just doing it yourself. Cool. And marketing, marketing, marketing. But like, so what kind of stuff about marketing you don't really like? Not like, not like in terms of your like mathematical part of marketing. Like that I do like, or I don't like. Don't like. Okay. Um, I hate re reporting, which might sound counterintuitive, but I, it's really valuable, but sometimes it's frustrating to me because some of the platforms don't have the best reporting. So if I'm using Shopify as an e-commerce solution and I'm using tracking from within Shopify, it's not always the most accurate. So it can be really frustrating to try and pin down what campaign is delivering the results right now. So I have to go in, I have to turn certain campaigns off, turn it back on. And it's a very cumbersome process that leaves a lot of uncertainty on the table because I'm not able to see which campaign specifically is the one that's making my client, you know, a lot of money. I have to sometimes guess and try out, okay, I think this is the one. We're going to try to scale this one up and see what happens. So that's the part I don't like is that no matter how much data you have, there's some margin of error and that's unfortunate. And so I just got to, kind of pick based off of intuition at that point. Cool. So pretty much sometimes accuracy is the hard thing. Yeah, it's almost like imagine you you had a couple seeds, right? And you knew that you had some pumpkin seeds in there. You didn't know what pumpkin seeds looked like. This analogy is just going to break down really quickly, so bear with me. But you had pumpkin seeds, you've got sunflower seeds, you got a couple other seeds, but you don't know what you, they look like, right? You just have a bag, and you're like, all right, I know something in here is going to grow. And so you put it out there, and that's the equivalent of, like, you have all these plants growing up, but you don't know which seed is which, and so they're all in the sprouting phase. Like, they're not actually full-blown full plants yet. They're just little sprouts, and you're trying to figure out which one of those is actually the pumpkin seed. Is that the pumpkin seed? No, that's the sunflower seed. And so if you don't have data or you're missing data, you're trying to essentially guess what you think is working, what you think is growing. Whereas if you have really good data, then it just becomes a simple yes or no answer. 
do you, for every dollar you're getting, do you want $10 back? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, great. So you just keep reinvesting back into these campaigns. And how long does it take to like create a campaign? Is it quicker now or is it still a long process of research, then testing, and then more research? I think it depends on the type of organization that you're a part of. If you are just the single entrepreneur or solo entrepreneur or you're a marketing person at a small company, you can make decisions really quickly. And so you're able to pivot and switch because you just have a certain budget you're supposed to work within. And so that process could take within hours. You know, you can get a campaign up and running within hours, get it approved, get it approved by your boss, get it approved by Facebook, and then, you know, get on with it. But if you're in a larger organization, there's so many nuts and bolts that have to be approved. Everybody's got to have an opinion about it. You got to build a new website. It's got to go all the way to the CEO. Um, so that can take months sometimes, which is really unfortunate. Um, so it really depends on the type of company, I would say, but anywhere from hours to months, which sounds like a big gap, but I think it's more organizational speed instead of just what it takes marketing wise. Mm -hmm. And to pivot all the way back to your grandfather, so with his like marketing tips, did a lot of them stay like the same or did a lot of things just change over time with technology and different, like the um, changing of society of like what people want? Yes and no. So the platforms that he used, those might change a little bit. So he might, you know, he might have favored newspaper ads or billboards or something like that. Those mediums are not really that effective anymore. And so the medium in which she might pick might, just because he's comfortable with it, may not be the same one. However, the actual strategy that he would say around what messaging should we have, excuse me, what messaging should we have, that's still true. Do we talk about the problem the customer is experiencing? Do we talk about how life is gonna look like on the other side of buying your product or service? Do we paint a picture of success and aspirational identity? So all of these things are messaging related. Those never change. What you should say never ch hardly ever changes, but the medium in which you advertise, I think does change over time. Mm -hmm. I was watching Wisecrack and they were talking about um, how marketing, when the economy is doing well, there's always marketing and like, you need this product to, to like um, show that you have worth so that you, that you can afford it. But then when the, economy's down is more of this is essential for you you need this product because it's, you're like it's needed for every day to make it easier for you yeah it's almost like when the economy is down expensive restaurants revenue goes down mm -hmm. and it's i think that's a normal a normal good is technically the name um i forget the name of the other one but basically the idea is that when an economy is up luxury goods are going to sell more versus when it's, you know, people are tight on cash. I will say though, it's fascinating that people spend certain things, uh, spend money on things like during the pandemic, like their house, like they're just blowing money. Like some of the, our clients are in the home decor space and people are just blowing money over there, which is crazy to me. And I'm totally guilty of it myself. You know, I just built my own office, you know, at my house. Did I need to? No, the couch was fine. 
and the other little office that I had was fine. But I was like, nah, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to pull the trigger. So humans are weird. But the last thing that I want to say on that, based on what you mentioned, is that we often buy products because we want to be perceived a certain way or like by others or ourselves. So sometimes people buy a Mercedes because they want people to see that they're fancy, you know, or that they're, they have money. Some other people buy Mercedes because they want to see themselves that way, if makes sense. So it's almost like this internal dialogue of, oh, I, I want to be a fancy person. Not, not to, I don't even tell anybody I got a Mercedes. I just want to be, I want to feel that way. And then the other version is, I want to feel like my friends are going to be really impressed by my Mercedes. So they're both aspirational identities. They're just manifesting themselves differently. Yeah. And I think on the home decor, I think people, since they're spending more time inside, they want to, I think like psychologically, they want to make the inside better so they're not going crazy. Yeah, there's a guy that I do. It's called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's like a martial art thing. Yeah. Um, and a guy that just started rolling where I roll, which is like what you do when you go, you call it rolling. And he's a lawyer. And he said, I'm in my one bedroom apartment all day. I work from home. I live at my house. I've been doing nothing but work and sleeping there. He's like, so I need to get, I need to get out. So that's why he started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which I thought was hilarious. He just wanted to try something to get out of his house. He was like, eh, this is good exercise. Yeah, for sure. Which is really funny. He's a big dude too. He was like 250 pounds or so. So like six foot three. Stout. Yeah. Yeah. And how much time you have left? You still have? Yeah, I got a couple minutes if you want. Okay, cool. Well, that's all like the main questions I had. Any questions for me? Uh, what made you interested in starting the podcast? Uh, so last year when I graduated, I kind of graduated with like no plan after graduation. And I was like, hmm, people kept telling me to do like informational um, interviews. Hmm. And then I was like, why not just turn that into like a podcast? So I was like, I was meeting people because I'm part of a um, there's a nonprofit called The One Club where it brings in like try to diversify the marketing and advertising field. And I was cool. like meeting people there and I was like, they're doing things. They're starting to do things. And I was like, I could use them as I guess. And then do informational interviews and then have it on the podcast. And then that can be, um, uh, whatchamacallit, like a way to, to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That's awesome. Wow. So what do you feel like uh, has been the greatest benefit of doing the podcast so far? Like, what have you enjoyed the most? Uh, like, more selfishly, I'm learning about myself a lot and learn how, like, people um, perceive me. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. I'm talking about my friends on the podcast, they're like, they look, they look up to me. I'm just like, what are you looking up to me for? We're all like, in the same level. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. But then on the, like, self-actuation side is more like a lot of people they say they have fun doing it mm-hmm. so I guess it gives us time to like talk gives people time to talk when they usually 
Because if we live in the city, this is why we just keep going, going, going to the next task. Right, right. And almost like you never talk to people, so. Yeah. A lot of times we talk at each other, not with each other. Yes. I feel you there. So, um, and uh, where are you in New York, right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. I, I'm sure that that's especially true in New York. Like from what I've heard, it's like heads down, just walking through crowds, you know? Yeah. Because this guy keep going, everything's traffic. Because a lot of people, well, there was a lot of people now with the pandemic, it's kind of dissipated, but. Yeah. That's cool. I dig it. Well, cool, man. I love that. Um, what do you feel like is the thing you're most interested in right now or most excited about? Most excited is, I think it's just learning something new and helping people because okay. I'm always, I'm always been curious and learning and just like, not only like school that much, but I like learning about things. It's like, oh, that's interesting. I want to try it or just experiment. Mm. And then the pandemic, yeah. this time gave me time to like experiment with everything. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, this, I mean, it's definitely given a loss, a lot of time. That's for sure. Um, where, what would you want to be doing five years from now? That I have no idea. Cause <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what my career is going to be. It could be like something like this, or it could be more like youth development, helping with, like helping um children and stuff like that. So I'm still mm-hmm. trying to decide. That's awesome. Why don't you just do both? Yeah. Fun. yeah. You work a lot, but you can do both. <laughs> so that's cool, man. Well, Ezekiel, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. One more question. Yes. What would you name your origin story? Oh gosh. It comes up. I think of it. I said resilience, but, um, I want to say resilience. I, I was trying to think of some other creative name, but like I said, that's something we said. I can't come up with something on the spot. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I'd say resilience. And I think I'm nervous to say that because like I mentioned, I think other people have overcome more resilience than me, but I, it's my story, you know, like losing my dad, losing my stepdad and all that stuff. Like it sucked. Um, no two ways about it. So that's what I would say. Nice. Or, well, or persistence. Persistence might be a, a good, a better word. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. thank you for being a guest. Yep. Thanks for having me. And I'll let you know, it's just coming out October. So, yeah. Okay. The third week of October. Sweet. And I'll make sure to share it when you tag me. So. Yes. Well, have a All nice right. day. Thanks. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye. That brings another episode of the Last Guy Podcast to a close. I thank Evan for being a guest on the podcast. So next week, I have another friend named Joe to speak about COVID-19, the 2010 Haitian earthquake, and much more. Hope to see you the next day, and hope to see you there.